Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. What's happening, folks? What's happening? Welcome to the maiden voyage of the Hangtime Podcast here at NBA.com. I'm Saquon Smith of NBA.com and the Hangtime blog with my partner, mm-hmm. Vince Thomas. You might know him from Slam Magazine or his NBA.com column or ESPN. Vince, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, congratulations. Congratulations. On sitting in the hot seat next to me, so... You're going to be my victim here for Oh, you thought you think this is. I'm going to be your whipping boy, man, yes, please. on a regular basis. Get on a regular basis. But we're here, uh, here at NBA.com to offer you some insights and some commentary about the world of basketball and all that comes with it. Um, you being too boring right now. Let, let me, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, come on, forget all that. And, this uh, is why This is why we're here. Why Why are we here, Sekou? What, because we saw, we saw a void, right? We Absolutely. We saw a void in the conversation, and we felt like uh, Vince and I should stop arguing in the halls of restaurants and, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. and inns around town and On bring Twitter. this to the masses. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and we wanted, we wanted to be like, you know, the, the kind of conversations that you have at all of, you know, the cliche spots where sports and, you know, pop culture and whatever political debates take place at the barbershop, you know, at the bar. You know, if you're hanging out with, you know, some of your homeboys in the college dorm, you know, like those kind of conversations we want to happen um, right here. Because, you know, quite frankly, we don't think that we hear a lot of that um, online, you know. Yeah. And it's is, gonna be, I mean, listen, it's a fully interactive program. Yeah. Um, Get at us on Twitter. We got, we got we got the hang time at hang time podcast. That's the hang time podcast Twitter account. My Twitter account is uh, at Vince C-A-V-I-N-C-E-C-A Thomas. Where you at, say? I'm at Sekou Smith 01. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and it's not just us. Uh, we got our crew with us here. Mm-hmm. We got uh, Micah Hart producing. Mm-hmm. And uh, all the other people here at NBA.com will be through the through the podcast, you know, throughout the rest of the season and into the playoffs in the summer um, to bring you some different insights, uh, some, some commentary, uh, plenty of opinions, mm-hmm. and, and really to shine a light on all things basketball and beyond. So, yeah. um, Speaking yeah. of basketball – what what was going on this weekend? Well, I mean, obviously everybody is is bracket Monday uh, yeah. around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, Your team get in? Um, I don't have. A t- <laughs> Listen, I don't have a team. Okay. That's oh, really? In this field? Oh, not yeah. In this field? In yeah, this field of sixty four? Exactly. I don't have a team in this field. Um, I'm I'm more focused on the bigger picture, which is I have a hole in my heart since 1991 Ooh. when the UNLV running Rebels. Ooh. Ran off 34 straight wins, got to the Final Four, uh-huh. 
and sold us out. <laughs> uh, sold out all of their What kind of harebrained conspiracy theory you got going on over there? Listen, sold you out? They got beat. Listen, I know you were uh, still in a diaper, <laughs> you know, in 91. Whatever, you, one man. One of those 80s babies. So you, Whatever. You were not around for I that. was born in the 70s, homie. <laughs> <laughs> but it was... This left, is, you know what I think? Left a gaping hole in my heart. So what happened? What they, they sold you out? In what way? You don't go 34-0 and and then get to the Final Four and lose to a team you trounced by 30 you the trounced year before. Trounced the, the year before. I mean, you beat you know? them senseless the year before. You know, And, you know, it's 20 years since UNLV won that first championship. When You know, just my, you know, brief, quick NCAA thought when I look at the field nowadays is that there's really no team that is culturally relevant. Like, there's no team that really resonates the way Fab Five resonated, you know, when we were coming up. UNLV resonated when we were coming up. You know, my squad that that I grew up, you know, loving was Georgetown, you know, because my father was a big-time John Thompson fan. You know, throughout the 80s, they really resonated. But the the fact of the matter is is that the the, the tournament, they they don't need that. You know, the the tournament is like the Super Bowl. Like, it's going to resonate and it's going to, you know, command the, the nation's attention regardless of, you know, whether or not there is a powerhouse or, you know, the the the, the field of 64 because well, that's, it's the that's tournament. That's the knock this year, though. That's the knock that there is no, no dominant team. Luckily, in the NBA, we have dominant teams, dominant franchises uh, over the course of history and certainly this season as well. On the flip side... There are other teams. There are other teams that are not so dominant, and and that's a lot us, of teams that, that are not so dominant. That brings us to our, our first victim here today on the uh, on the podcast. We've been talking about tri-state hoops. I know you you're a New York native, mm-hmm. uh, maybe not the city, mm-hmm. maybe not one of the five boroughs, but certainly the state of New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Knicks, the Nets. Is there anything to watch? You know, up, that's up from the, your way. But again, you know, that's the crazy thing. You know, everybody was everybody's attention was so focused on the tournament over the weekend that it's just like we totally forgot about um not forgot but we totally ignored the fact that they broke ground in Brooklyn you know yeah. i mean like the nets are coming to brooklyn you know they had mayor bloomberg and and jay-z um at the at the press conference and what for like the past you what 5 years it's really been on and off you know whether or not that whether or not the Nets were ever going to really get to Brooklyn, and now it's popping, and I think that that puts the Nets um, on some I, definitely not on solid ground, but it makes the Nets um, much more you attractive. You don't believe it. You don't really believe to what you're saying. Do free, you? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, you know, I'm I'm not breaking ground on a yo on an arena. Yo, the, the Nets in Brooklyn as opposed to the Nets in the swamp. Of of New Jersey, or even if they would have tried to move over to Newark, the Nets in Brooklyn is far more attractive to this free agent class that we got coming up, which is obviously what's been completely dominating, you know, the the national dialogue in the NBA for almost two years now. You, need to you know stay, what I'm saying? You need to stay out of the state of New Jersey from now on. After you just you, the swamps, I, I got love in New Jersey. I got love for New Jersey. Stay out of there. Stay out of there. But listen, that's we, a big. Is it not a big story? Then breaking ground. Okay, huge. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Listen. That's one of the reasons why uh, I like talking to people who live up in and around uh, the tri-state area. Lang Whitaker, executive editor of Slam Magazine, you probably know him. Let's let's talk to Lang and ask. Oh, him. we got Lang on the horn. Yeah, let's, let's already let's see what he thinks about the pulse of of basketball in New York right now. Lang, what's up, big homie? Hello, Slam <laughs> fam. What's, what's going, going on? What's going on in New York City right now? Work, man. We're working. Yeah, whatever. Close, closing up the issue. Yeah, and then waiting for the tournament to start this weekend. Yeah, working whatever. I've I've been in the slam offices. 
the same dome. Yes. Work <laughs> work is not something that goes on there very often. Vince has been here as well. Exactly. Yeah. That's my that's to my yeah, point. I used, to, I used to I used to work I used to work out of the out of, out of the Slam Dome and I used to go over there and, and, and bother laying at, at his uh at his little Atlanta Hawk shrine. <laughs> Looked like a a, 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 a fanboy shrine where he had um <laughs> Dominique. Give us some of the other Hawks players you got you got over there at your at your desk, Lane. The main the main thing featured there is a large framed photograph of Ken Norman. Yes, yes. Ken Norman, right, right, right. AKA the snake. <laughs> which I bought for ten dollars when they tore down the Omni. Nice. Yeah, uh, they had an auction. <laughs> they had me, but I, 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 they had me way over in the dungeon, like I was Quasimodo or something. Remember that? Yeah, like, I was. I was like, you know, on the other side of the building from where everybody else was. They, they didn't want to deal with me. Sounds like an appropriate person. Yeah, for real. But, uh, for real. <laughs> it sounds like you got the point. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. You, right. They ran me out of Vince New York with for, the quickness. Uh, did you send Vince out for Chick Fil A off and like? No, none right. of that going okay. on. To Philadelphia. Just, <laughs> <laughs> that's the closest Chick Fil A. Yeah, like there's. They told me to go long and never come back. <laughs> exactly. I've been hammering Chick-fil-A on Twitter trying to get one in New York. Yeah. It's not happening. Not going to happen. No, I don't know why. Yeah. I guess they don't want to, you know. You got to hope Starbucks talk, starts making chicken sandwiches. Otherwise, you can forget it. <laughs> so, come on, man. Run the show. What do we What do we talk? What do we got this guy listen, on the phone for, we, man? Come Lang, on. We are, uh, we are here chatting about uh, Tri-State Hoops and specifically the Nets and the Knicks, obviously, and just what they have going on. I mean, uh not a whole lot if you look at the <laughs> the records, but the future, obviously, the future is what y'all are. Why, uh, can I can I just jump in here? Why are we Why are we talking about the Nets and the Knicks? Like what? Like what? What you know? With all with all the other stuff going on, you just in the NBA. Like re, like really, we're talking about the Nets and the Knicks. This is like your what's second straight day you know, to try to stay hoops? What's in, What's important and compelling about the wow. Nets and the Knicks? I'm from New York. Like I, you know, I don't have anything against the Knicks. The, the Knicks thing and the Nets. With both of those teams right now is that. It's almost like there are two teams that exist in the future. <laughs> yeah, know? no, it's a good point. But but right now they have to play these games. So they play the games, and, and you know, if they win or they lose, whatever, no one really cares. Like, everyone's looking to, to, to the summer uh, to see what's going to happen with these teams. The Nets are, you know, they just broke ground on this arena in Brooklyn. Uh, that's a couple years down the road. Mm-hmm. This summer, who knows what they're going to do, signing guys or whatever. But it, it's almost like – there's two whole franchises that are kind of press pause, and now we have to wait and see what happens down the down the road. What's the feeling like though in in New York though? Like I'm I'm, I'm wondering if there is any real bu- basketball buzz and anticipation um, about you know what what's going to go on in the, the matter of what four there's months, a, four or five months. There's a ton of like talk about LeBron, you know, like or pretty pretty much any free agent, like whatever team comes to town. Like the Hawks were here last week, and there was like five stories about Joe Johnson maybe being a Nick right. next summer. Um, whoever comes to town, that's what you're going to read about. There's not a whole lot of buzz about the Knicks and the Nets, but that's the way New York is. I, you know, I've been here ten years now, and whoever's winning, that's the team that everyone talks about. The Yankees right now during the NFL playoffs this year, the Jets were all over the place. So, uh, you know, if they win games, people are going to talk a lot more about them. But right now, no one's really talking about anybody. Well, since the Knicks locked up their, what, ninth straight losing season, I'm assuming you haven't talked a whole lot of Knicks the last uh, decade. No. <laughs> See, I could care. I could. Well, I'm not going to say I could care less. I, You know, you I just said it. <laughs> well, let me let, let me let me retreat on that. But, you know, I, I find that you th- there's just so much um, attention given to the or, or, you know, pointed towards the summer of 2010 and specifically about 
um, pertaining to New York and, and New Jersey, when at the end of the day, I don't really think anybody of any real import is going gonna, is, is gonna to end up in New York or New Jersey. Are you serious? I, I'm dead serious. Lang, Lang, surely the Knicks are not going to clear all this room and cap space and come away empty-handed this summer. The question is what what they come away with. Right. I mean, they're going to come away with something. Right. It, it might be LeBron James or it might be Ron Mercer and Eddie Robinson. <laughs> you know, like the Bulls a couple of years ago. Well, but see, here's, here's my question. Why, um, as the general, you know, NBA public, why are we so – um, hell bent on getting LeBron James or Dwayne Wade into the tri-state area. I like them just where they're at. I love the fact that right now there are um, big stars in basically every region of America. And this, like the the, it's archaic to me to think that every that you know uh, star power needs to be um, central and, and focused in in the tri-state area like that's just not the world that it's not the america that we live in anymore so if you know lebron james doesn't you know end up with the knicks or Dwayne Wade doesn't end up with the, the new jersey nets i mean that might be uh, a little difficult for new yorkers to take and, and people in the tri-state area to take but for somebody like myself who doesn't live in the tri-state area i'm cl- clap for that you know but I, i'm in a weird position because I, I live here and i don't really I'm not a fan of either of those teams, and I don't really care if they get those guys or not. I mean, obviously, it'd be more fun to cover those teams if they had some of those, you know, top line superstar players. But I don't really think the general NBA public cares that much about if those guys come here. I think the fans here care a lot, and the media here cares a lot, uh, especially like guys who have to cover those teams every <laughs> single night. Mm-hmm. But. I don't think the general public cares that much. I think the, like people in Miami want to keep LeBron, uh, Dwayne Wade. People in Cleveland want to keep LeBron. Uh, people but they, York, but don't you think that that's better for the league though, Lang? If we it? if we I keep don't know. I don't, if we yeah, keep I don't LeBron, know. It, why why would it be better for the league if LeBron James for and especially the ridiculous idea of LeBron James and Dwayne Wade balling together for one of those teams, why would you ever want to take stars of, of that magnitude and put them on the same team as opposed to them trying to, you know, battle out, b- battle for the, for the championship mean, against each them, other? Take stars from the, from, you know, take from those two regions, two. put them on the same team on the biggest media stage but, in the world. But those two in particular, why, why would you want, why would you want Dwayne Wade and LeBron James on the same team? Why not? That is why not, wouldn't you? that is not no, compelling at you? all because the, to me, the more compelling st- narrative and, 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 and story story arc are these two individuals trying to lead their own team to a championship and, and have, and, and needing to get by the other man in order to do it. Well, not look, not doing it on the same t- you want you you would have wanted to see hey, Lang, Larry Bird they, and Magic Johnson this is what ball they together. Call the world according to Vince. <laughs> well, that, um, you know what what else Vince, am I supposed to be spinning? You know, I don't know, like, but the rest like, of the free world would love to see them play together. No, that's not true because they voted them to play together on the All-Star team, you know? They do it regularly. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's fun to watch that kind of thing happen. It's fun. Look at the Lakers a couple of years ago when they signed Malone and Peyton and had Shaq and Kobe, you know, it's the whole dream team idea and exactly. I think fans I'm sure some fans are into that idea. I mean, if you're a fan of the Knicks or the Nets, of course you want to see those guys play together <laughs> on your team. Yes. Well, <laughs> but I, I don't I, think, for, for the most part, I, I mean, I would think any fan of any team wants to see all the best players on their team. Yeah, I mean, it's worked in other places. I mean, this this idea where? that you can't take superstars and play them where, together. Where, where has it ever worked where stars of that magnitude have been on the same team together? The Lakers? Oh, gee, I don't know. The, the, the Lakers? Shaq yes. and Kobe kind of won no. together for a long time. <laughs> no, no, with that routine, no. Didn't they? <laughs> well, the, but, but the, the yeah, Lakers, the big together. three, uh, they kind of made the, it happen. The, with, with, 
LeBron James and Dwayne Wade are two, you know, three biggest stars in the NBA. Shaq That's, and Dwayne Wade were pretty good together. Shaq and Wade kind of won Wade, a championship. That was after yeah. Wade. That was after Wade's rookie year. You really, you really, okay. do you think it, Lang? Do you even think that it would work? You think that LeBron and Dwayne Wade would work, or do you think that there'd be like a, a alpha male struggle there? I think it would. Work. I mean, who who would be better than them in the East? If you put those two guys on the same team, I mean, that take. Let's say they both go to the Nets for no other reason. So that leaves Cleveland without anyone. That takes them out of the running. That uh, I mean, the Celtics are old. Who's left? Yeah, the Heat aren't even oh, a factor that, right now with Dwayne Wade. And that yeah, and that so. and that, that that's a that's an interesting Eastern Conference to you guys. What what Lane just described. Listen, come we, on, say we grew up on an you NBA. Don't think that, man. We grew up on an NBA with superstar teams. The Celtics and the Lakers did it for yeah, years. But, yeah, but but you can the the, um, the Miami Heat uh, have cap room in the summer to bring somebody oh, to 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 bring in Amari Stoudemire over to play with Dwayne Wade. You know what I mean? So I, 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 you don't – I mean, the, the two biggest perimeter players, the two biggest stars on the perimeter playing for the same team in the, in the Eastern Conference that's already horrible. starting to – Yeah, yeah it, that's it, what a horrible come idea. Come on, man. Hey, Lang. Uh, I'm going to tell you guys, you I, guys are crazy. I, I apologize. Vince is, uh, <laughs> Vince has traveled down the road to uh, Vinceville once again. Is he still talking? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I am. I'm he's still up, talking, man. He's upset that people want to see a superstar team in a – Team sport. I don't know why that seems so foreign. Because I, I, I would, I would rather, I would rather have the superstardom spread across a couple teams. Right, right. That, well, thank goodness Vince is not in charge of the NBA. Yeah, yeah man, it is what it is. <laughs> Lane, man, we, we, we're going to do this again, though. Soon. Okay. We're going to get you. Going to get you. Is, is that a this, promise? This, this is that a promise or a warning? This won't. This won't be the only time. <laughs> is that a threat? And, and the next time you come on, you'll talk as little as you did this time as well. You know, and I'll <laughs> I'll commandeer and, and help hold the conversation hostage again. You listen, that's what I do. Lang, listen, we appreciate it, of course. Uh, Always, man. You know, this is our. This is the. The, the maiden voyage of this thing, so we wanted to have the very best on. So. Hey, well, it was fun to be on the Titanic. So yeah. <laughs> Whatever, man. Exactly. Whatever. <laughs> Lang Whitaker, people. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, guys. I'll talk All to right. you soon. All right. Peace, homie. Later. <laughs> the, t- the, the Titanic. Titanic, yeah, that's classic, right there. I, I'm, I'm serious though. Say, I just, I, I, I really, I, I want LeBron James with a good team, with a contender. And I want Dwayne Wade with a contender, and I want them meeting in the Eastern Conference uh, Finals. Uh, if, if, if you know, if it were up to me, as opposed to the two of them on this like ridiculous juggernaut, and you know everybody else just you know sitting around helpless. I mean, like Pat Riley, you know, go out and get Amari Stoudemire. You know, Danny Ferry, make sure that you know this summer you bolster that team um, to to the point where. LeBron James does not want to leave. And let's see those two guys for the next, you know, five to ten years battle it out in the East. That's what I want to see, man. Well, that, that's I think that's as big a fantasy as the idea of them playing together. They've never they've never met in the playoffs, have they? No, in they the have last not. Five years. So I mean, it's like what? Well, if if but if if the Cavs keep the, if the Cavs keep Cavs keep this squad, the core of this squad together, they'll continue to contend. Right. And if Pat Riley can can, you know, use the, the cap space that they have in, in twenty ten to to put the requisite amount of talent around Dwayne Wade, they'll be contending. And I I love that narrative in the East, you know, yeah. as opposed to and as opposed to the two and one other thing, basketball can thrive in the tri-state area without having incredible superstars because the tri-state area is a basketball, you know, um, region. You know, so if the if the Knicks had the Hawks, okay. Madison MSG would I mean, be I, rocking. I, I mean, I hear you, Vince, but I, I just think you're underestimating 
the star power that that translates when you have mega stars playing together in a team sport. I mean, it's anytime it's ever happened where you've put big stars together on a team, they've become a, a you know a central story in the NBA. Even when it hasn't been successful, look what the Rockets did when they added Charles Barkley late in his career and had Barkley and Pippen and those guys all together. Uh, they didn't win anything, but they were. It was a story. So, um, talk about mega. It, talk, talking you know, about mega stars, though, we just lost one. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean AI man. Yeah, I mean, just uh, like it's been a it's been a weird it's been a, a weird uh, season for him. Start started out in the summer, nobody wanted him. Well, went to Memphis. It's been a hellacious year. Bounced him for him, you know, and really a a really tough uh, couple of years for him. Ever mm-hmm. since you know he went to Denver and tried to play again, tried to put stars together on the same team, it didn't work. Um, What's know, next for him, man? I don't, I, Where's he going from here? Great question. Because because I mean, the you know the you know. Some of the some of the reports don't don't sound too promising about what's going on, but I'm just wondering, like, are we going to see him back in the league, or if we don't see him back in the league, you know, what is what is somebody like AI going to, what is what is somebody like AI going to do? Um, well, he, I mean, listen, he's in that phase of in his life after of his retirement. career. Yeah, he's in that phase of his career, Vince, where you have to transition from being a superstar player to a role player to eventually out of the NBA. I mean, he's a, he's more than a decade in, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you have to find a way to come to terms with the fact that you're not the Allen Iverson you were 10, 12 years I ago. I think he did that. No, I, I don't know that I he think did. He, I, I, don't, I don't think he the, did. The way he played with, with Philadelphia, no, I, I think I, th- that wasn't Allen Iverson, you know. We, know, to, we know that, but I don't think Allen Iverson, I don't think that computed to Allen Iverson. I I saw I saw a humble Allen Iverson on those courts in Philadelphia. When, I mean, even, when even was that? The, this year? This year, about, he wasn't putting up. He wasn't 20, on the court a whole lot. He now. wasn't putting up twenty shots. Yeah. You know, and, I mean, well, I mean, I, I, I think, I think you might have seen something different than what a lot of other people have seen. And I, you know, I'm, I'm gonna bring in some reinforcers. I'm gonna ask our main man, Dennis Scott, three D, and see we got if, Dennis on. Yeah, the phone? we got to get three D in here and see if if three D saw the same things you 3D-Z. saw. Three I don't think he did. I don't, I don't. I didn't see it. Well, where's he at? Three D. What's happening? Three D. All right, three D. 3D, what's happening, man? Listen, we're sitting here uh, debating. Well, hope, well hope before we get, like, what, what's Vince, up? pump your brakes. What's happening? Pump your brakes for one second. Listen, 3D, we're we sitting here debating, like I, I think we're going to do often uh, on this podcast here, about transitioning from, from one part of your career to the next. Vince Vince claims that he saw a humbled Allen Iverson, you know, accept his role in Philadelphia. I, I Either I lost my blue blockers or something, but I didn't see that. I missed that. Did you see a humble Allen Iverson in Philly this year? You talking about Allen Iverson being humble? <laughs> yeah. Are we, are we talking about the same Allen Iverson? Yeah, that's what Vince said he saw. Well, what Vince saw the the first couple of days, I, I think AI, you know, expressed a lot of emotions and realized that he needed to change. But I think at that point in his career, it's hard to change some of the habits he has created. And I think that's what happened at the very end. Yeah. I, first of all, I just want to say, "What's up, man? How you doing? You know, we man, we, good, we getting man. people on the phone. We don't even we don't even greet them. Hey, man, you don't have to greet family, man. Three you know, family around here. You... <laughs> now let me, but let me let me say this, um, Dennis. I I didn't say that I saw a humble Allen Iverson, and maybe I did. Sure, you, you did. know. I said I saw a humbled Allen Iverson. <laughs> And as as far as I'm like, if if Allen Iverson, for for instance, we didn't hear him, you know, post game saying the same, saying the the, the the types of things that he was saying 
um, in Memphis. Um, he wasn't, you know, in Philadelphia trying to dominate the ball. I saw him defer a lot to his teammates. Um, and I, th- I, I think that Allen Iverson, uh, th- during that brief stint with Philadelphia, recognized that, no, nah, I'm, not, I'm not that same dude that, that, that I was or that I thought I was, um, you know, as, as recently as two months, you know, before his tenure in Philadelphia started. Um, so what, was, he, was he humble? You know, no. Was he humbled? I definitely think so. I mean, well, Sekou I mean, tells me that that might be why he left. Well, no, I mean, I think the way he broke it down just then is true. He was humbled because he realized from a financial standpoint, he went from $20 million to $1 million, and then now realizing he wasn't, you know, the guy that matured the ball all the time. But he didn't do the little things I thought Philadelphia thought they were getting while being more of a better example in the locker room and kind of being like a player coach, so to speak. And I think that's why Philly was a little upset on top of the other stuff. Yeah. I mean, 3D, listen, three weeks ago I was standing in the NBA locker room and I was talking to some guys from another team, you know, and you know how stories circulate through a locker room and, that's right. and around the league. Guy told me, he said, listen, I talked to somebody, AI told him, I could not get past Kirk Heinrich in a game. He said, and the day I can't get get around a guard like Kirk Heinrich to get my shots off is the day I'm done playing in this league. I looked back at it. I went and looked it up on NBA.com 3D. His last game was against the Chicago Bulls. The man has not played a game since. I mean, I think. do you think he hit a point in his career where he just realized, if I can't dominate the way I'm used to, I'm done? No, that, that's a great point. And he has one of those personalities that, that makes sense. But when he came back, and I think that's what threw everybody for a little loop, he said he was just going to be a better teammate. And that's the part, I think, that kind of caught everybody off guard. When he showed up the very first game back, he showed up late for. <laughs> yeah, true. But And, of course, this could have been, you know, just athlete speak. Um, but when uh, Philly came to Atlanta – you know, I, I got a chance to 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 kick it with um with Lou Williams a little bit, kicked it with Sam Dallenbear a little bit. I was just asking him, you know, because Lou, I, I believe, was a was a rookie during um, AI's last season in Philadelphia, if I'm not mistaken. And of course, Sam and, and, and AI played, you know, a few seasons together. And um, Sam told me that, you know, he 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 was definitely a different guy because he seemed to acknowledge that it wasn't his team. And I'm saying that even if you just take that into consideration, was he a, was he a changed man? Maybe not. But just just Allen Iverson recognizing, for instance, that this is not my team. I'm another, you know, uh, cog on the wheel. I, I think that that is a different man that you saw even as recently as Memphis. And, and he, here's why that's important to me. Here, here's why, you know, that could be important moving forward, because I wonder if. He, when if he does indeed try to come back for one more season, because I can't imagine AI going out like this. If he tries to come back for one more season, if that can carry over, and if he can just come back and just be a part of the team. Well, say cool. You and I talked about this on a jump with AI. Is that when he came back, I think both sides realized they were trying to right the ship. And, and everyone knows me and AI are boys. I just think that when he was trying to, like you just said, Vince, trying to go out on the right note, arguably. You know, soaking with 155, 60 pounds, arguably one of the best players ever play at that stature. But the personal baggage and the baggage over the years, I think, caught up with him. I think both sides were trying to fix it. Absolutely. And at the very end, it fell back apart again. Mm-hmm. 3D, uh, AI is one of many players of his generation facing this dilemma. And one of the other main 
names that's going to be dealing with that, you know, this season and next season and possibly beyond is one of your best friends, Shaquille O'Neal. When do you yep. know when you know when do these guys know that it's time to move on or time to move to that next phase, being a reserve, coming off the bench, playing a you know a niche role on a team? I, I know great players have done it before, but what's the mindset? When do you know and understand that you have to accept a different role for yourself in the in the NBA? Well, I think each personality is a little different, and I think Shaquille O'Neal is a perfect. Uh, personality where he gets it. That's why he's taking the backseat role to play yeah, with LeBron because he knows that he can get back to the finals and get another ring before he goes mm-hmm. out. And words coming out of his mouth, and I can go ahead and say it now with you guys, if someone's you know crazy enough to pay him some good money, he will take it and play again. So he realizes he's not you know Shaquille O'Neal, the diesel, but he also realizes that he can make some things happen. See, I thought, I, I, and I agree with you right there, D. I thought that, I think Shaq has done um, an incredible job in Cleveland, um, taking the back seat and really, you know, just ch- changing, you know, his whole approach to basketball and where he falls on um, a team hierarchy. Because it's not, not only is it that he's not the man with, with, with Cleveland, but it's that LeBron is so much the man. Like, that team is is um that team mirrors LeBron's personality so much and I know especially like early on in the season it almost kind of looked like Shaq was you know sort of like a 12th wheel because you know Shaq's coming from a, a different generation um but you know he 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 just found a way to just like um you know meld with the rest of the team and I think that you know every former superstar can 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 look at what, what he's done and, and take a page out of Shaq's book I do wonder though if Shaq is going to keep playing, like that, that's always what I think about this season. Is like, are we going to find ourselves in the summer looking back and saying, "Man, we didn't have, you know, we didn't, you know, truly appreciate this season with Shaq because all of a sudden he he up and retired," you know? Well, when when Shaq retires, no question about it, we will be saying, "Wow, what a person!" Forget about what he does on the court, all the stuff he's done for kids and hospitals and all that teammates and what he did for George Mike and family when he passed away. So we can go on for days, right. but you're going to miss the big jovial guy that will keep it real with you. Some of the stuff you may not like what he says, but at the end of the day, you know he's going to keep it real with you. See, I, 3D, I think we miss him already. Like, the All-Star game this year, yeah, man. and I know you guys sat next to each other, not right. having him on that floor for, you know, in that venue. Just to try and do a crossover ever. just throw up a three-point. Yeah, I mean, like, it's yeah, just it's, not the it's, same. Exactly. I mean, and I, listen, I love seeing you and the big fella on the, the Jerry Tron styled up with your suits on looking good. That's great, but don't you, didn't you miss him out there? <laughs> no question. You always do because you know he's going to do something to excite the crowd. You know he's going to mess around and break dance or something in the middle of a half court during the practice sessions on All-Star Weekend. So it's definitely a personality that we all look at and wow. We we know it's getting toward the end, and you, you ask a good question, Vince, and say cool. Like I said, if someone is going to say, you know what, Shaq, here's two or three million, come sit on the bench for us, because we know you're going to be a great locker room guy for some of our young big men. But uh, but 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 D, do we want do we want Shaq just sitting on the bench for five million? I don't want that. I don't want it either. But the Shaq what does Shaq really want that? I, I think that's something where. The next year or two, it may make sense for him because we know he doesn't want to become a real full-time coach. 
he's going up there to, you know, PR school up there in Syracuse trying to take some lessons. So he's really trying to figure out what he wants to do. We know he just went through a little messy divorce. He's got money left over. So he's not worried about money at the end of the day. He's worried about being happy. And that's yeah. what he's trying to figure out right now. But 3DZ, let me, let, let me hit this real quick. Do you remember when you guys were young, you know, maybe in chat? <laughs> wow, that, that sounded rough I mean, right okay, I, okay, I didn't mean it yeah, like that. When, <laughs> when, when, when you two were younger, you know, and this was like Shaq's like, you know, it was within like his first, uh, you know, year first or two in the league. Was his first six years, right? Okay, and um, and I th- and we had discussed. You and I had actually discussed this before. Remember, Shaq was like he was looking at some of the older big men in the game, and he was and he was saying how, nah, that's not going to be me. I'm in this for about ten years, and then after that, I'm gonna right. get out. And but so like what like what between then and now, you know, fifteen, sixteen years later, what changed to where now Shaq is basically doing the two thousand two thousand and one Patrick Ewing role. He's doing the Patrick Ewing. He's doing the Robert Parrish. He's doing, you know, a, a list of big men who we thought should have, you know, gone on and passed away into the sunset. And you, you like how I use that word, passed away. <laughs> <laughs> into the sunset, you know, from an NBA standpoint. But they get addicted to the limelight. You get addicted to traveling. That's why I love working for NBA TV and NBA.com because I'm still around the game. We love the game so much. And that's what we've been doing. Think about it for a second, guys. Most of us have been doing this since we've been nine, eight, and seven years old, and mm-hmm. now it's because we get closer to 40, we're supposed to stop loving it? Right. No. Right. That's why you try to figure out ways, where do you fit in? And right now, I'm going to say it again, you know, for people listening, if someone's offering Shaquille some money and he can travel, be around the team, maybe play 10 minutes here and there, I think he comes back for another year. Well, I mean, you know it as well as I do. He will have suitors. Shaq can do whatever he, do he wants. Three D. Do he don't have to do that on the court, man. He his his. I mean, his career is is he has all types of options. You know, he's just trying to figure it out, and, yeah. and that's and that's to give you a little insight for him and I. You know, after his surgery with his thumb, we we were talking. He just said, "Man, I'm trying to figure it out." And, and right now, I don't know if it's media. I definitely don't want to coach. If someone's willing to pay me, I want it. Could you listen, Shaq? Coach, tell Shaq. I got listen. <laughs> if he needs. Uh, you know, a new agent. And I'm not trying to get myself in any trouble, 3D, but tell him I got a great idea. Reality show time, baby. The, no, that's on the table, too. He's, he's the king. He's to, you know, a few, uh, you know, I can't tell all the secrets, but he has <laughs> talked to a few, you know, national outlets where there's some things on the table. And, and we all know his personality is going to fit wherever he decides what he wants to do. Yeah, I mean, listen, if we can get league approval, I say a reality show for his last year in the league. Uh, that would be hot. You know. Follow him around all year, whatever team he's. I don't even care where he plays. We can go play for the for the Nets for all I care. No, we're reality no. show <laughs> no, with the big the fella. <laughs> that'd be no, that'd dope. Be That's big. a good idea, say. That that'd be huge. I mean, we might we can call Darren Stern and get that pass right away. Let's get it done, three D, <laughs> and let, get you know we get a little percentage on there. You know we got to eat now. Exactly. Man, I love it. <laughs> Listen, we we started uh, the show today talking about uh, something that's. Very close to your heart, I'm sure. We talk, we're talking about the 1991 UNLV team that went 34-0 and lost in the Final Four to Duke. Did you not deal with that team the year before, you and the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets in the tournament? Uh, we, yeah, you did. We, we had them by their chinny-chin-chin. It's chin, chin. <laughs> so funny you brought that up. Every you know, tournament time, we was talking to Bobby Crimmins the other day on, on a different situation, and now he says, I wish I wouldn't have taken Kenny out the game because we were up by nine and a half. Kenny got his fourth foul about 18 minutes ago in the game. 
Bobby takes him out, puts him in the back of, if y'all remember, Carl Brown, who's a good friend of mine, uh, mine to this day, but could not shoot a lick. <laughs> yeah. He's a player, but could not shoot a lick. They went into a little boxing, too, and me and Brian Oliver came back and we ended up losing the game, of course. But we had them beat, and I know where you're going with this. It's amazing how one year later they can play that well and lose in the final game. Uh, I'm still hurt, D. <laughs> D. I have a hole in my heart. But yeah. after they lost that game to Duke, I had them winning the whole thing. I, it, college basketball has not been the same since for me. That was pro- other than the Fab Five. That was that that UNLV team was probably my favorite team. But Lethal Weapon Three was serious for for everyone listening that doesn't remember. You know Dennis Scott with Georgia Tech. I mean, you know, all ACC Player of the Year, All-American, and all over Alexander Coliseum on Georgia Tech campus, you see him with those short shorts on and them wax <laughs> legs. I don't know what was going on with that, man. You so was we, about, we you were was... a little late. I, I always, uh, <laughs> working with Chris Weber, of course, at NBA TV, I said, man, now I wish you were older than me so you could have got them baggy shorts out there, man. <laughs> yeah. Cool than, we were little, I was too old, so I was too late. I was like, what, what, did they superimpose Dennis on, like, Naomi Campbell or something? What's going on? <laughs> Yo, 3, 3D, listen, man, we appreciate it. Yo, man, uh, always. Always good to see you. We'll see you on the jump this week, of course. Vince and myself both will be rocking with you on there this week. And uh, At 3DZ, that's his Twitter, y'all. Get That's right. Him. Don't forget. That's what's up, guys. You know, next time I come in the studio, then we'll make it bigger. Yes, yeah, sir. let's do it. All right. 3D, All right, appreciate it. Yes, sir. <laughs> Yeah, he, he he said exactly what you said. Say about how how you gonna win one year and then come back I'm the next year you. and get bounced. That's Vince, crazy. I'm telling man. you. I mean, and the beautiful thing about the game of basketball is you get to watch people through the arc of their careers. Um, you know, 3D. You can talk about you know remembering him as a collegiate player. Now he's here. You know, commentating, yeah. analyzing the game. You mm-hmm. know, doing it big here at NBA TV and NBA.com. Mm-hmm. Um, but that. That career arc for basketball is is one thing that I cannot let us leave here without discussing today. Have you seen this this wonderful documentary that uh, has been done about the Magic Johnson and Larry Bird rivalry? I'm talking about. I felt like a, a giddy old man watching this thing. I, no, I, I, man. I started feeling my years watching this because I'm going, man. I remember watching these guys when I was young, and here I am now, all these years later, looking at it, and it's even better than I remembered it. Yeah, you know what? Like that, if you grew up in the '80s, like that, and and you were into sports, like that, that was it. Look, you know, ba- you know, L.A. Boston was was the was the rivalry. I I think in sports, you know, there 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 wasn't really any. There, I don't think there was a, a a rivalry in Major League Baseball, in 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 the NFL, or you know, even in uh, college basketball, college football, that you know. Com- you know, was as compelling and dramatic, you know, for for the nation in general um, and impactful as that Lakers-Celtic rivalry. And the way that documentary just sort of brought it back was was crazy. We were talking about that footage of them in 1978. Unbelievable. I've never seen it before. How did, how did that, how did that, what, it's, it's been, what, thir- 22 years? I don't know how it stayed under wraps it? all these years. I'd never seen it before. Wow. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, you got to find, you got to find your way to a television and, Let, and see some of this. It's unbelievable. See, you got, you know, because you were with the Indianapolis Star for, for Birds, uh, you know, the last year of his, uh, of, of his coaching, and then when he came back as an exec, you got a chance to, to really get to know Larry. I don't know, you know, uh, Bird outside of a couple conversations we've had, but that documentary just really um, crystallized how, just how, for lack of a better term, how gangster he was, man. <laughs> 1979, what happened? I don't, Magic, I don't, know, I don't Magic, know if they used that term to, to, 
Describe Larry Bird in Bird, Frick, Indiana as well, gangster. Bird, well, nowadays, nowadays that's what that's what we're calling him. <laughs> 1979, Magic wanted to be friends after they were on the USA team the year before. Bird was like, "No, I'm gonna snub you, man." You know, um, when when uh, Magic, you know, uh, got uh, when Magic almost choked away the the. Well, some people said he did choke away the '84 Careful. Finals. Yeah, be careful. Watch, watch you well. Uh, Larry Bird was like, I hope it. Old school Laker fan here. Watch him. I I hope it. I hope it killed him. You know, like Larry, (laughs) like Larry, Larry really wanted him to like, you know, twist and squirm from, you know, off off of that loss. That's like if you hear older players talk about the NBA, they say that's what they miss: those bloodthirsty rivalries that are no longer a part of the game. You know, you know, Mm -hmm. Kevin McHale, I think, always talks about it too, and and Bird mentioned there the love fest. You know, mm-hmm. between the players where they go out and hug and that. everybody's dapping each other up before the game. Old heads don't like that. They don't, they don't understand that part of the game. And it's a different era, obviously. These guys mm-hmm. in the league now, some of them have been playing against each other and with each other since they were 9, 10 years old on AAU teams. Absolutely. And, so, I mean, it's a different monster now. Bird and Magic probably never had heard of each other until they got to that but, national team. And, and there's, and there's some, there's some uh, revisionism going on as well because, for instance, you know, another incredible documentary that just aired um, th- this past weekend, the, the Reggie Miller versus New York Knicks 30 for 30 on – um, on, on ESPN, you know, everybody's like, man, you know, all the, you know, that was so great back in the nineties with the rivalries and every, well, yeah. Back in the nineties. Yeah. That was like yesterday. Yeah. But you know, people, the, the game has changed. We just talking about how right. the game has changed. Right. I mean like that New York Knicks, Indiana Pacers rivalry, Knicks heat. I mean, things got, you know, heated, uh, th- you know, it was a very physical game, but I'm here to say that although I miss the rivalries and I miss, you know, maybe some acrimony, uh, being ever present between you know two teams, especially contenders, I don't miss that basketball of the nineties. I think you don't miss no, that bad boys rough and tumble. Nah, bad you know, boys knock you down basketball. That's, that's another thing that people get twisted. The bad, bad boys might have been physical, but they still averaged over a hundred points a game. Did you see some of those scores in the in the nineties? They're coming out like eighty five to seventy seven. We we can keep that in the nineties. What we're seeing today, um, the fluidity of the game and you, I, I, what I like to say is just like straight, some straight up and down virtuosity for, for that a lot of players display. I take that any day over the basketball that was played in the nineties. Even I'm, if even if you got to watch it um, in New Jersey or New York, hey, if it, you, if you it know, come, you, if it comes to that, man, you did make it to the top of the most wanted list in New Jersey today. Whatever, with all your snide whatever. comments my, about. My New York card is About safe. the Garden State. I'm yeah, cool. Yeah. You better stay across the state line. <laughs> I better stay here in Georgia, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Man, oh, man. Listen, is there any other sports rivalry that you would like to see, you know, in one of these documentaries? Because I started thinking about other, you know, basketball rivalries. These, there are a lot of good you know, mano-a-mano rivalries that have gone on in the NBA over the years that I would love to see. And I know mm-hmm. you, you know, born and raised in New York, you're one of these cats who probably thinks John Starks was better than Jordan, all that craziness. Yeah, okay, you know, whatever. But whatever. <laughs> you out of your mind But I'm there. saying, you know, is there anybody else? I don't else? know if John Starks is better than B.J. Armstrong. <laughs> now nah, I'm just playing J. Starks. Is there Starks. anybody else out there, you know, any of these other rivalries over the years? I mean, what what's going on now that's going to be one of these rivalries in the future? Like 20 years from now, we're going to look back and see LeBron and Kobe and, and look at it the way we looked at some of these things. You know, it'll be I, interesting to see. Well, you know, one, one I think one of the more interesting books um, of the past 10 years was the uh, Mark, was it was it Heisler that did the uh, Mad Men book about the, the, the fall of the, the Lakers dynasty mm-hmm. the, the early in the millennium? I think that 
a documentary on Shaq and Shaq and Kobe. Kobe yeah, it's got to it, be in it, the making. It's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, a Hollywood must. story in the making. It's, it's a be, it's yeah. a must. I mean, you know, we the, the I haven't gotten a chance to see the LeBron documentary, but I'm I'm sure that you know the one about him and his in his high school days. Yeah, I'm but sure that's, that's great. I'm talking about yeah. You, but right now, you a know, league rival, something that happened while they were in the NBA, I think would be that. Well, that that it goes back to what we what we were talking about before, saying that there's really no rivalry right now that is that is that dramatic, right. and it's that that that's that compelling um but i i definitely think you know if if we could go back and we can get um some some real insight and in, in never before seen footage never before heard commentary and opinion on the rise of that laker dynasty and then the fall i can't i mean that if it's done well that would be just as good as the you know the the bird and, or magic and bird or the uh the 30 for 30 on Reggie Miller and there's an Iverson 30 for 30 coming out that I think is going to be really special as well yeah i mean it's going to be interesting to see how they put the finishing touches on that Iverson 30 32 because need- his career has gone full circle you know what i mean he's back to the to the end here now and it's it's looking different than it did during his peak, so it'll be interesting to see how they do some of these. Things. We need to we need to get our T we need to get some TNT documentaries rolling here. Yeah, you I think I. we need to get a thirty and thirty on me and you. Yeah, we 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 gonna produce some some slap boxing in the booth. You know, see, <laughs> see who wins that fight. Listen, yeah, okay. Uh, the first of many here. I ain't fighting you, you man. Know. You got kids. Once you, get, once you get kids, that you know, like it's a you, that grown man. Yeah, straight, man. Nah, you. I'm not I'm not messing with you, sir. <laughs> the first <laughs> of many uh, hang time podcast here at NBA.com. Join yes. us. Uh, you will be able to find us, and we will definitely bring the information and the commentary to you. At make Hang sure Time you, Podcast. Yeah, make mm-hmm. sure you follow us on Twitter, hang t- at Hang Time Podcast on Twitter. Also, Vince. Uh, at Vince C-E- at, at v- C. I don't even know my Twitter. At Vince C.A. Thomas. And also at Seku Smith 01. Uh, the Hang Time family yeah. here again from the headquarters. Appreciate you joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Peace. You're getting the most out of being at a game with American Express. The card member entrance, the lounge, and out tip-off. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.